That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. Hey, from the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, former mayor of a California beach town and best-selling author. We are coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio podcasts, networks, 26 global audio video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, and many, many more. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot of the top 60, number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, <laughs> um, an expert's view on healthy activities for the caregiving team, talking about Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, and how cooking together can help. What a great idea, cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Melissa Bernstein has a lifelong passion for healthy cooking and eating for herself, her family, and her friends. She's a graduate of Boston University and brings long-standing commitment to helping others. First as a seasoned occupational therapist, entrepreneur, author, and certified chef, Melissa is devoted to eating healthy and teaching others how to do the same. She's got cookbooks, and we'll hear more about that in a moment. But before we get started, I do want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, actually a few weeks ago, David Bernstein, who is an award-winning physician and author who's board certified in both internal medicine and geriatrics, uh, and who also happens to be Melissa's husband. Uh, just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website at caregiverdave.com or any of other 26 global mentioned uh, networks that I mentioned earlier. Okay, enough of that. Melissa, so great to have you on. Wow, thank you for having me. That's quite an intro. Uh, You're (laughs) really, you're worldwide. Awesome. Yes, uh, we're thinking about (laughs) going to Mars soon, but uh, (laughs) it hasn't opened up yet. And the moon. (laughs) Hey, I always like to ask my guests, just who is Melissa Bernstein and why was she placed on this earth? Oh, it's a really good question. I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> That's a good thing that you do. Uh, I do. Um, I am someone who enjoys people, uh, enjoys helping people, uh, enjoys feeding people healthy food. Um, I'm a mother, a wife, a caregiver, former caregiver now. My mom passed away, um, but uh, also a um uh, an artist, uh, and, and a music enthusiast, um, lots of things. <laughs> and um, I am an occupational therapist by trade. <laughs> well, I didn't know what an occupational therapist was until my wife had a stroke. And uh, she started ah. having all these therapies, speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy. Wonderful. I said, what's the difference? And they said, oh, it's all about work-related things and, you know, around the home and this and that. And maybe you, why don't you just tell us since you're you know the what? expert in you the know, professional. It's so interesting because people have a perception of, you know, what's physical therapy, what's occupational therapy, but, and they say, oh, well, OT mm-hmm. does the top part of the body and PT does the bottom part of the body. I've heard all kinds of funny things. Oh, that's interesting. But really, occupational therapy is the occupation of living. Meaning that everything you do on daily living skills and every single activity you do during the day is part of your occupation as a person. 
And it's not occupation work, it's occupational living. So occupational therapists would assist those who have had a stroke, those who have disabilities from birth or disabilities later in life, uh, caregivers, people who are in need of helping with their daily living skills to help rehabilitate them, to bring them to their prior level of function or to the level of function that they're able to be at, at that time. So with your wife, for example, I'm, I'm sure OT worked on her daily living skills, on her yep. bathroom skills, on her showering, on her eating, and, you know, probably ad nauseum <laughs> in terms yeah. of ensuring that she was able to be as independent as she possibly could be in her daily living skills and regain her sense of who she is um, as a person. And how to get up when you fall down. That's an important How to get up when you fall down. Absolutely. That famous famous iconic commercial, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah. (laughs) And I've I've even said that a couple of times because, now, wait a minute, I I can get up. Well, then why can't I? (laughs) You just got to roll over and get on all fours and then, you know. Absolutely. So I guess I'm officially a senior citizen if I need a special way to get up. (laughs) Well, uh, let's talk about the Power of Five Test Kitchen Cookbook for Caregivers. How did that come about? It, it's, um, First of all, I want to say I mean, you seem pretty thin from what I can see of your torso because my yeah. wife is a gourmet cook and she still cooks. And everyone wants to know why I don't weigh 400 pounds because she's yeah. you know, always cooking up a storm. So why don't yeah. you weigh 400 pounds? <laughs> because um you know i am not an overeater i guess that's what i eat healthy i exercise to kind of counterbalance what i eat um i'm not a big, big sweets eater um i'm a i'm a vegan that's the other thing I'm ve- i've been vegetarian since i was 21 and then vegan in the last seven years david and i are both vegans so um you know so it's all about Portion control, it's all about what you're putting in your the temple of your body, and it's about what else you do in your environment to help maintain your health, which is, yeah. you know, exercising and sleeping seven to eight hours a night and reducing your stress and increasing your socialization and your commitment to people and your connections with people. I mean, those are the things that I think keep me at the weight I've weighed for like probably 20 years. I don't know. Except when I was pregnant. Let me interrupt again, (laughs) since we're talking about it. I always like to ask vegans, uh, well, where do you, what's the best source of protein? Where are you getting your protein from? I get that all the time. uh, We're, we're Debbie and I are going to be in Acapulco in a couple of days and we're eating very healthy. Everything there is sugar-free and Mm -hmm. gluten-free. We're not uh, vegan over there, but, um, uh, protein is so important, especially elderly it people is. don't get enough protein. You, and, you, you know, are they're, absolutely they're, correct. Most seniors have a problem gaining weight instead of losing weight. And uh, where do vegans get all their good source of protein? Because I, I heard the best source is red meat, but you guys don't like red meat. No. So great question. I get it all the time. <laughs> and I've written blogs about it. Um, so we get our protein from tofu, from plant-based things like, did you know mushrooms have nine grams of protein in them? Do you know vegetables actually have protein in them? No. Uh, legumes have a lot of protein. Uh, quinoa has protein. 
So we get it from our fruits and vegetables. However, I will do a little caveat here. In the last year, Dr. B and I have really done a lot of research on protein exactly to your point about as you get older, you need more protein in your body. And we feel, and we have kind of analyzed what we've been eating for the last seven years and really feel like we have neglected some of the things that you can get from fish or eggs. Um, and so we have actually be added those two things to our diet. So we're um, most yeah, of the time vegan, I guess. We're most what do you of the call yourself if you're a vegan and you eat fish and dairy? There's a word for it, isn't there? Well, eggs are really not dairy. So um, you're, it's a pescatarian if you eat fish. So you're a pescatarian. If you're a vegetarian and add fish, that's called a pescatarian. Oh. So we are really, I would say, most of the time vegan. This is what I've been calling us. So, But we do occasionally have fish. It's not an everyday thing, and it's <laughs> not an everyday egg thing. We Are there have fish added that to our from, diet. Uh, you know, with mercury and the all more, that? Yes. The more dense fishes you should stay away from, like swordfish is a very dense fish and does possibly have some mercury in it. Um, certainly bottom feeder kinds of fish and shellfish are really not healthy for you. But things like um, but scallops are good for you. And also salmon is a good fish. And um, there's some white fishes that I'm right now it's, uh, escape me, but there's some white fishes that are very high in protein. Uh, orange roughy, like for example, mahi mahi, not yeah, possibly. <laughs> I guess you could just research and find the ones that have the most. You know, De- the, Debbie's the, listening intently because she had mercury poisoning. I had mercury oh, poisoning. Oh yeah, no, so I'm she's really careful fish. about fish. Yeah, yeah. What kind of fish do you avoid? I I don't eat fish. Um, oh, you don't I, eat fish at all. Occasionally, I will crave salmon, and I always try to get line caught salmon. Um, and I, I tend if I am going to eat fish, and which is rare, maybe once a month at most, um, I try to go for the ones that have a short life, um, because I guess they don't. I my understanding is they don't have the opportunity to get as much salmon. And mm. I will, like, I would never eat fish in somewhere like Puerto Vallarta where they're in a port <laughs> and it's so contaminated. Yeah, just be yeah. So I'm I'm very very careful about yeah. where I'll about but small fish. Apparently, I understand are healthier, but you're the expert. I'm not on that. You know, I'm not really an expert on fish. I mean, I cooked it but i because i haven't eaten fish in a long time i'm kind of just relearning about fish and the benefits of of fish um uh in terms of some of the vitamins and the you know the oils that you get from fish that are beneficial and the protein of course i am curious yeah about oh sorry i don't want to interrupt you there no, I, what I was going to say is the the problem with if you're trying to keep your weight down as a vegan a lot of vegans you might be overweight because there's a lot of things that are, 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 don't have plants, don't have, um, you know, don't have, uh, meat in them. And so if you eat something, if you try to make a perfect protein and you eat the legumes, they have very high carbohydrates. So if you're trying to get a lot of protein, you end up increasing your carbohydrate level, which is not easy on the waistline if you have 
a lot of carbohydrates. For most people, the balance between carbohydrates and protein and fruits and vegetables to balance your protein amount for a vegan has a higher amount of carbohydrates. So if you're trying to lose weight or maintain weight, it's harder to do that. And that's what Dr. B has found out with his weight. I don't have a problem with that, but if you eat, the more carbohydrates you eat, even if they're healthy carbohydrates, it does add more calories and it does add carbohydrates, which are processed differently. So, well, you know, the keto diet, uh, I don't know what your opinion is about that, or the Atkins, which is a low carb, keto yeah. is practically zero carb. Um, protein doesn't have a lot of carbs, do they? No. So they which do not. Proteins, which proteins are you well, the, talking about? You I'm said? talking about proteins that come from, I'm talking about proteins that come from like quinoa, because okay. that has nine grams of protein, but it also has carbohydrates. Got it. I'm talking about legumes that have protein, but then also a have lot high of the, carbohydrates. The fruits. fruits have a lot of carbs. Fruits have a lot of carbs as yeah. well, even though they're healthier carbs. They're, yeah. they're still, it still turns into a carbohydrate. <laughs> so the Mediterranean diet, you brought up diets, really is what we recommend to our listeners um, and to our readers. Because <clears throat> five years in a row, the Mediterranean diet has been voted number one in many, many categories in healthy eating. Health, healthy for your heart, healthy for your brain, uh, healthy for weight. Um, so really the, the Mediterranean lifestyle is really what we recommend. And so we're getting more towards the Mediterranean lifestyle just with adding fish and eggs to our diet. So, um, we have, we, Dr. Bernstein and I both have worked with several organizations that have memory care units. And so we have been doing a lot of training over the years with caregivers and the staff at these facilities and families um, to help with daily living skills, training, et cetera. And when I became a vegan chef and really kind of focused on cooking and cookbooks, et cetera, I reached out to them and said, how would you feel about me helping caregivers feel comfortable bringing their care recipients into the kitchen for a purposeful activity? As an occupational therapy, it's all about purpose sure. with OT and purposeful activities. And I thought, wouldn't this be great if we could help them feel comfortable doing something different in their routine? Because yeah. as you know, caregivers are in this routine all day long of taking care of somebody, depending on, and it varies based on the level of the care recipient, but they need a break too. And this is a, a positive, meaningful way to to bring someone into the kitchen and both enjoy this activity um, together. So in doing the live presentation, I actually turned my Power of Five test kitchen into a studio and I brought my friend who has Parkinson's disease into the kitchen for some purposeful cooking. Wow. So we cooked, we did four segments of cooking four different things and in the front matter and the back matter, I talked to the caregivers about how to do this and what are the safety measures and what is the meaning of doing this and how it can be beneficial to their loved ones or care recipients to stop the, the repetition, if you will, and do something different. And not that they have to do it every day or not that they have to, to cook something that's extravagant. It can be extremely simple and the benefits of the communication that happens, the past reminiscence that happens when you cook. You know, they may have been a cook with their grandparents, the care recipient, and to be able to talk about food and about the benefits of food, and it might spark some 
memories that they had cooking with their grandparents or their parents um, when they were younger. So there's so many benefits, not only the cooking something that's healthy for your brain, your body, and your heart, but also facilitating communication and facilitating um, even music that could stimulate memories of cooking with your grandmother or your grandfather mm -hmm. or your brother or sister or whomever. So, you know, taking the time to do uh, a purposeful activity in the kitchen like cooking has just so many benefits for both the caregiver who also doesn't take care of themselves because they're working so hard with the care recipient. So they need to take a break and do something fun. So have you been on uh, any morning shows doing this? I have not been. So how do, how do you, um, how do people see this? Um, they can see it on our YouTube channel. Okay. We you're doing YouTube, on our videos. YouTube channel. Uh-huh. We have I'm on our YouTube channel. Um, which is um, Power Five Life, number the number five life dot com, and um, I've done them for you know people have hired me to do specific presentations to them, and they you know we incorporate the video into a live presentation, so that's kind of another way we're doing it. That's a great um, idea. Any ideas? If you have any ideas for me to do this, I you know I'm all ears because it's um it's a process to get in front of people. And to do something <laughs> like this, as you know, you both know. As I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Debbie, have any questions? I do, actually. Um, one of the things that happens to me is from time to time, I get anemic. Uh, every couple of years or so, I get a blood test and my red blood count's a little low. And I can take iron, fine. Mm -hmm. But the thing that really seems to make the difference is to eat red meat about once a week. And right. so I, I'm wondering if there is a, um, a, an effective vegan or, or a vegetarian alternative to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vegans are prone to anemia, aren't they? Mm -hmm. They, they can be, they can be. Um, what do they do about I it? I take, I take iron. I take an iron supplement myself because I do have a tendency to have low iron, but I've had it years ago. It's not something that's happen because I, I'm a vegan or a vegetarian. It just, you know, some people just have iron deficiencies. Um, and if it doesn't affect your, um, you know, your energy level, it may not be a big deal. But for me, um, I started taking iron way back and it seems to have helped me bring my level up. Um, I, I'm not, you know, things like very leafy vegetables, very dark green leafy vegetables like kale. I know kale sometimes gets a bad rap. But oh, I love kale. I do too. My I turtles do. love I kale, kale too. <laughs> exactly. oh, I love turtles. <laughs> I, me too. I do love turtles. Not to eat, I hope. But, um, I don't know. Just this no. They're, oh, but they're fascinating. Dark leafy vegetables, um, beets that have a very dark, dark color. Those also ha are high in iron. Um, but mostly the dark leafy vegetables and beets are my two go-to place, go-to things for, um, gaining iron. I could probably That's research and find a few other things, but those two things come to mind. It's interesting because those are both things that I really like to the point of almost craving them. So that, that's oh. interesting to know. That's good mm. to know. I'll eat more yeah. of what I like. Eat more of what you like. Spinach is another one, uh, you know, another great dark green vegetable that's, you know, Popeye, Popeye said it, you know, yeah. 
And it's true because that also has a ton of iron in it. Now, I didn't know that there's foods that will benefit someone with dementia. What What is that? So, um, Debbie, were you a caregiver? Yeah. As well? You all, you all, okay. Former. So you were former caregivers, all of you. So, um, as you know, a lot of times with diets with um, dementia and Alzheimer's patients, they crave sugar, a lot of them. And that has to do that with... That can't be good. The <laughs> no, that is not a good thing. So um, I get this question a lot about the kinds of foods. So fresh fruits and vegetables, the fruit part if made into popsicles, if made into things that are sweet, can defer that sweetness that they crave for like sugar. So natural so sugar and fruit is okay for that? Natural them? sugar and fruit is okay, yes. Um, but it's the it's the the density of you know, eating like sugar, like candy, like pure sugar cane is is not good for them at all. But focusing on fresh fruits and vegetables, and as I mentioned that, fiber, legumes, um, whole grains, quinoas, all of those kinds of whole foods, non-processed foods, eating as clean as possible are most favorable for dementia patients. So, you know, no, no box things, no foods that have additives and preservatives sure. in them. Those are not good. Those are not good for anybody, but especially for dementia and Alzheimer's patients. Now, Melissa, there's lots of cookbooks out there on the market. Why is yours? There are, you know, (laughs) everybody's got a cookbook. You know, this is no one has a cookbook like this. Well, tell us why. This book is specifically for caregivers, and the reason it's specifically for caregivers, to be honest, it's really not about the recipes. I have to be really honest. The recipes are (laughs) basic recipes that anyone can do. There's nothing magical about the recipe. But what is magical about the book is that there are guides for caregivers to understand the safety issues of bringing someone into the kitchen. For example, it's the occupation of living. It's their occupation. So there's how to, how to do um, cueing with someone, how to do compassionate cueing. Uh, so that what is encourages that? What is them that? to do. Explain that. It's like saying something to, like when they're, let's just say we're making a fruit salad and keeping it simple, a simple recipe, like even getting the pre-cut fruit. If there's someone that's really not able to cut at this point, buying pre-cut fruit and they can throw it in the bowl. They can stir it. And if they're not doing it properly, you could just say to them, put a hand over hand and say, this is the way we stir in a very calm way. So it's compassionate cueing on completing the task so that's one of them and then some of the other things are i i included a skill checklist which i designed which helps the caregiver understand what level of assistance that the care recipient can give during a cooking activity and that would kind of gauge them as what they what kind of recipe they should choose to do um including the care recipient in the process. So if there's something that they like, that they, their likes and dislikes are really important. And that also is part of the survey is what do they like and what do they dislike? If they don't like a certain food, then certainly you don't want to make that because you won't have a successful (laughs) outcome of sitting and having a meal with them or sitting and having a snack with them or whatever you make. 
Um, it also goes through your hand, you know, your hand strength, your balance, your coordination, your vision, your hearing. Um, are they able to stand? What's their standing tolerance? What's their sitting tolerance? So it's just, a, it's a two-page check, check, check list. And then they can actually see, you know, do they wear glasses? Um, what's their auditory processing like? Are they able to communicate? And these are basic questions that the caregiver can answer. This is not a full-on assessment done by an occupational therapist or a physical therapist or, a, you know, any, any other neurologist, et cetera. It's a basic interest, you know, just a simple tool for them to use. And I suggest that they do that first before they bring someone to the kitchen so they can gauge that. Then, you know, have a discussion with the care recipient on what kind of food they might like to make and choose together what they might want to do. They might want to make little pizzas. They might want to make quesadillas. They may want to make something very simple that can be handled um, pretty easily that has, you know, a few ingredients and a few steps. You know, keep that in mind that the complicated, a complicated recipe with a lot of steps is just not something that you would want to do to start off with. So that will help. Um, I also have some um, examples of some adaptive equipment that could be used in the kitchen to foster independence, such as large-handled spoons or weighted spoons. So I have a whole little section in the back here that has some examples of some adaptive tools that could be used in the kitchen. Um, and there's a wonderful cutting board that has some some corners on it and it has some prongs sticking up so that you could like actually put a potato on and it would stabilize it so they're able to cut so there's lots of you know an ot we're all about adaptive equipment because we want to get yeah we've got almost all of them you got got sounds wonderful i love that loves to cook well it's a it's a you know it's we have so many adaptive devices to be to use and that's the beauty of being able to really do anything that you did before well, you know, you, so you, you can need take, adaptive equipment, big deal. You can take I mean, the OT out of the kitchen, but you can't take the kitchen out of the OT. <laughs> you cannot. That's very true. So your wife is doing well in the kitchen? Um, oh, yeah. Stroke? She uh, she wanted to cook immediately uh, getting home, and her mother wouldn't let her. Oh, no, 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 no. And I, I was the opposite. I would say, no, no, no. Uh, here, let me reach that for you. No, 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 she can get it. And the occupational therapist said that I am training someone to be independent, and my mother-in-law is training someone to be an invalid. And so uh, I always remind my wife when I push it's it really too hard. Yeah. Really a good point because one <laughs> of the things that I always talk about in caregiver training and any training that I've done is that we're, we want to foster independence, not dependence. And I can't tell you how many facilities I've yeah. been in when these aides want to rush, rush, rush them through and they, they don't even stop. I mean, my mom, may she rest in peace, um, just was in a facility, uh, assisted living facility, but at, towards the end, she needed really around the clock care. And I, before that time, I would talk with them about let her do things, right. let her continue to do things. So she has a self worth. So she feels like she's still doing That's stuff and she really important. wanted to. That was the good thing. She really wanted to continue to get up and brush her teeth. And they didn't even like set her up in with a bathing uh, bucket to even. I mean, I would just say, just set her up. She can wash her face if you just like, you know, just taking the time. And I think that's a very good point is that you really have to foster independence, even if it's a tiny little bit, even if it's just a little bit that they can do, that's meaningful to them because that gives them some, some, some control 
because they've lost a lot of control and you want yeah. to give them as much control as possible. So they, you know, it helps their dignity. That's right. Um, time is getting away from us. Uh, in the last few minutes, what would you like to talk about that we haven't discussed yet? Well, I do want to talk just briefly about my second cookbook, <laughs> which is called wow, the Power Test Kitchen. <laughs> it is a big book. And it is called Your Guide to Healthy Cooking and Eating, which is for everybody. <laughs> well, we don't need reading and, glasses to read that. It's in large well, print. Well, you know, it's not that <laughs> big a print. Not that big a print. But you um, don't need, no. It's a nice size cookbook. It's a nice size cookbook. Um, How many I, recipes? Oh, gosh. We have Hundreds, like 101, huh? 101 okay. recipes. I did have a more than that, but I had to cut it back. My husband said, you're not, <laughs> you're going to be paying people to take your cookbook <laughs> if you have this many recipes. So I have enough for a third cookbook. But the cool thing about it is that this cookbook, and I say it's for every lifestyle. So because even though the recipes are plant-based, I have a Melissa's modification at the end of every recipe. And that is where... You can make choices based on your lifestyle. So if there's a recipe you want to add grilled fish or grilled chicken or even beef, you know, whatever you want to do, there are options. So there's all kinds all of right. alternatives. So each recipe has like multiple things. And then there's just lots of great information about going into the kitchen, what are herbs and spices. And there's even a section for dogs. Am I, all my furry grandchildren... <laughs> Um, parents wanted me to do a section on healthy dog treats. So I did, these are all my grandchildren, furry grandchildren. I did a section on why it's important to feed all members of your family healthy and had some recipes in the back. So I'm very proud of it. It's, um, it's available on Amazon, of course, and on our, uh, not on our website, but it's available on Amazon and Ingram Spark. And, um, I'm very proud of it and I'm very proud of what we're doing. Dr. Bernstein and I are doing together on helping people be healthier and have longevity in their life, eating healthy and having wellness. And that's really what we're all about. You two were made for each other. <laughs> we, we were, I think. <laughs> well, I can't believe how fast our time has gone today. Thank wow, you so much too. for coming on the show. You've covered a lot. And uh, how can how can listeners reach you? Uh, you have a website, you have an email. I do. I have, e- I have all that. Uh, it's Power of the number five life.com. Melissa at the power of five life. You can reach me on Instagram is power five test kitchen. Um, you can also sign up on our website to get recipes right to your mailbox and our blogs are available. Dr. B and I write a lot of blogs on healthy living and longevity as well as healthy eating. Very good. Have you two authored a book together? We have. We made a journal. We uh, designed a journal to go with the Power of Five book. And so it is a way for people to document their successes in their five S's. Good for you. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. And we really appreciate it. It was very informative, very very educational, and very entertaining. (laughs) Three necessary (laughs) ingredients for a good guest. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks very much. Have a wonderful time in Acapulco. I want to hear Thank all about you. it. <laughs> we will keep you in touch. Please and for do. everybody else, my my number one newly released book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom, for Uncommon Times is spreading wisdom all over the world, available wherever the books are sold, and also on my free membership website, caregiverdave.com. And if you do join my caregiver group, uh, Facebook, 
34,000 caregivers. You'll learn all about my new Acapulco Villa Caregiver Wellness Retreat and Vacation. We're having one in a couple of days and another one probably in January. Just trying to keep as many of you caregivers alive because 30% of you are are not making it. You're dying before your loved ones do. And if it's Alzheimer's, it's 40%. So just click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on. Helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithms. And Debbie, how can caregivers get a hold of you if they want to find out what you do? DebbiePeterson.com, just my name.com, and that will take you to my podcast and all my books. And um, there you go. All right. Well, so until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye, Melissa. Say hi to David. Hi, Debbie. I will. Thanks, Deb. Bye, Dave. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing.